Hello and welcome to episode 79 of the Liverpool Comedy Improvcast with me, Ian Luke-Jones. This is where we get to know the people who make up the LCI community and a place where we delve into all sorts of improv topics. And today, it's going to be the first of one of our new specials. It's the A to Z of improv and we're focusing on the letter A. And I am very excited to welcome Sekitava Suarez to the show to discuss the letter A with me. So this is a new series we're going to be doing. We're going to be sort of interspersing it throughout the year, so it's not just going to be every week from now on we're going through the alphabet, but there will be a good mix of different things. So regular episodes, just interviewing people about their journeys, and then, as I have mentioned in previous episodes, lots of new ideas um, to keep the show fresh, and the A to Z is one I'm particularly excited about. So today we are looking at the letter A, the A to Z of improv. This podcast is available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, iHeartRadio, Stitcher, and wherever else you get your podcasts. We're even available on Amazon Podcasts, which means you can ask Alexa to play the show. In fact, if you can listen in on any kind of smart speaker, you can ask whoever it is to play the show. Just say, hey, whoever, play Liverpool Comedy Improvcast. And yeah, it'll... It'll take you straight to where you need to go. If you are listening on Spotify or Apple Podcasts, and please leave us a five-star review and subscribe to the show to give us a boost and help get our name out there. And now it's time to go off script and break down the A to Z of improv, letter A. Hello and welcome to the first... A to Z of Improv episode. I'm very excited about this. Uh, we're going to be running through the A to Z of Improv all the way from A to Z because that's how an A to Z works. And each time I do it, I'm going to be bringing on a special guest to talk through different things with me. Now, I have compiled a list of roughly 10 words for each of the letters of the alphabet, but it's still got a bit of room for improvement and a bit of room for growth in some of the letters so if you're listening to this and you think oh i've got a great idea for b or c or d or any other letter in the alphabet then do let me know get in touch uh, via the show page on facebook or my individual page on facebook or instagram and yeah i i would love to add your suggestions to the list that i'm compiling before i whittle it all down and each time we look at a letter we're going to be having a special guest as i've said and today's special guest is the founder or co-founder of Glossop Improv, the co-founder of Flincher Funny Bone, the sole founder of Stantall Improv, and just an all-around fantastic person. And I should probably say, my fiance. And I think you're on for the first time as my fiance. I think the last time you were on, we weren't engaged. Is that correct? <laughs> That's correct. That's quite the it's quite the introduction I've just given you there, isn't it? Uh, well, yeah, yeah. Gosh, I, I didn't know it was. Yeah. Hi. Hello. Welcome. Uh, well, what a wonderful welcome. Thanks. <laughs> I was, I've been rendered speechless. <laughs> so um, for anyone that isn't sure about our story, we actually met at Liverpool Comedy Improv and we're not going to go into that today. But if you want to go back and listen to some previous episodes where Seki was on the show for the first time, I think it was episode 23. And I w- was interviewed by Jeff Head on episode 25. And I tell my side of the story there, so people can go back and check that out. But that's not why people are here today. People are here to listen to all things A to do with improv. Gosh, well remembered on the episode numbers. You're on the ball with this one. But yes, thanks for having me again, Ian. 
Well, uh, we're going to jump pretty much straight into things. So I'll just explain, although this is the A to Z of improv and we're going to be running the sequence of shows when we do it in order of the alphabet, the words within each letter are not necessarily in alphabetical order. So they're not going to be A words followed by A, B words followed by A, C words like they are in a dictionary. They're just however Ooh. I've however I've compiled them. Right. Well, yeah, uh, just discussing the alphabet always takes me to one of my favorite games in improv called Alphabet. I've always loved the, the that game. It's one of, I, I can also name one other person straight away who loves that game, like backwards and forwards and, and every which, which iteration of the game. There's so many versions of the alphabet game. And that starts with the letter A, funnily enough, alphabet. I can think of uh, fellow improviser Tanch, for example. She and I love this game. And you can go backwards along the alphabet and carry on a conversation in, in a scene. Anyway, I just thought we'd just start it off with that. Alphabet! Well, <laughs> fortunately, alphabet is in the list of things that we're going to discuss. And it is yeah. the first one on my list. Um, <laughs> so, But we're going to save any discussions until I've told you what the words are. Oh, oh, yeah, yeah, let's take a couple of steps backwards then. <laughs> so, uh, alphabet game, that is what we're going to focus on, first of all. And I've chosen to put alphabet game in there because it's kind of a staple of drop-in sessions or just short-form improv. It's an easy game for people to just have a go at if they haven't tried improv before. So... Some of the words I've gone with throughout the alphabet are actual games. And you've said a little bit about the alphabet game there. Uh, but yeah, let's let's just delve a bit deeper into it. Do you remember your first experience of the alphabet game? Not a particular scene as such, but I remember highlights. And it's one way for me to get to know the improvising style of the person I improvise with. But yeah, it's a, it's a really cool game. It's the structure of it that I really enjoy. The fact that something has been this something has been decided for you, which is the first letter of the first word that's going to come out of you, and it's your job to make that fit the narrative, which really panders to my creative building um, mind. At the same time, it's not scripted. If if that makes sense. It's not scripted, but there's a structure, which is, in a nutshell, what made me fall in love with short form improv, for example. And so Alphabet Game is just a classic game of, um, yeah, it's a game. I love it. It's, it's, it's got rules. It's got, well, it's got the one main rule. And I absolutely love playing with the rule. And if you can make a story come out of something as chronologically arranged as for A to Z, then... It's it's a really cool game. So, yeah, for anyone that isn't quite sure, the basic premise of the game is you get a letter to start on and whether you're playing with one other person, two, three other people, you go through the sequence of the alphabet. So if you do start at A, the first thing that the first person that speaks says must start with an A, then the next person must start with a B, etc. But there's many different iterations of the game. You can play the game backwards. You can play the game by skipping through certain letters. Um, do you have a favorite alternative version to the standard version of the game, Seki? Going backwards, because then it, uh, it really keeps you on your toes. 
it, it sounds simple. All you have to do is go backwards. But it's like spelling a word backwards. And so it's got its challenges. What I do remember more, though, is the challenge of having four improvisers playing the game. Well, I say challenges, but I actually really liked it because it gives you a bit of time to prepare for your part of the of the scene. So with four people, you could have person A uh, starting off the dialogue and person B comes in with their perspective. Person C is there, then person D and back to person A and they've moved on on the alphabet and you have to keep you have to keep your you have to keep your focus on the group and I love that because if there's something you you have to hone in improv it's active listening so you're keeping in character you are watching three people keep in character and everything they endow the group must be introduced into the whole story and I love that about alphabet I think from an audience perspective as well, it, it's a fun game just because the laughter kind of comes from failure and improv and because it's, it's so very strict in its structure, well, it must start with this letter, that letter, and when people get confused about the letters, that's when it becomes funny. So I think an audience appreciates that there is that structure, which is very easy to get wrong in the heat of the moment. Oh, totally. The, the failure as a group together is part of the whole bonding experience, I would say, <laughs> because... <laughs> Then there's this agreement that you're all going to try this game. There are rules. And then when you fail spectacularly together, that's part of the fun. You get a lot of fun from that because then it, it just it just helps the just the experience of being together in it. And I I would say that that echoes a lot the experiences I had on stage in amateur theater when I first started and it would be you and the cast and crew and there, if there's a mistake that everybody knows has just happened it mimics that feeling of we're in this together and so if we're all going to fail as a group it actually brings us closer together so in a sense those two experiences are the same but the, the hit is quicker of course with, with an alphabet game because you're just there you're improvisers you've got a story that you're you're building together so you're all in it together as well yeah i think the fact that because it is a short form game and there's a fast pace to it that that's part of the fun of the game as well keeping it quick keeping it snappy and not giving people too much time to dwell on oh i'm gonna start with this or that or what is that letter you just gotta just jump straight in and hope for the best Certainly. A lot of people get that kind of satisfaction from a, a group, a game, a volleyball, badminton, all the collaborative games, a really good board game game. <laughs> yeah. Uh, improv has the same sort of thing. It gives you that same, uh, dare I say, dopamine, dopamine uh, kick to it because it's collaborative. It's a teamwork effort and improv is no different from that it's definitely something that people work together towards so yeah the alphabet game is a great one for us to start with and i think it's it's kind of any improv basic session you're always probably going to encounter this game so that's the alphabet game that's got us flying with our, our list of words but our next word it was kind of i've, I've grouped two words together because they're kind of the same word okay. one of the one of the words is accepting and the other word is acceptance so these are words that people have sent me in and when i was trying to pick out 
which ones I wanted. I was like accepting acceptance. Yeah, they both need to be said because they're basically the same thing. Um, but maybe there's a bit of a difference that we can talk about. So what's your opinion on accepting or acceptance in improv? Oh, where to begin? I think it's a it's a crucial recipe. Um, and both come from the very, very root word accept, of course. To accept something means that if somebody decides on a quote-unquote reality of the scene you have, whether it's your relationship or where you're supposed to be as a location, you accept it by acknowledging that, yes, you are in that location or, yes, your your relationship is like that. So, yeah, that is basically yes and. Uh, That is the A letter for yes and. You accept and say, yes, we are in a marsh in the middle of nowhere. And yes, uh, half of our half of us are uh, half of both our bodies are now in quicksand oh what do we do about that that's acceptance you you could just simply say no we're not we're not in the we're not in quicksand we're already talking about a marsh that is the antithesis of acceptance because then you're you're kind of crushing that person's scene painting or world building without accepting you don't have an improv scene yeah, and sometimes you can be in a scene and you're thinking, oh, this is one thing, and the other person is thinking something entirely different. And if they happen to be the one that makes it a reality first, then whatever you were thinking, you just have to accept it and say, okay, yeah, what what I thought doesn't matter now because this is the reality. And I think that's quite a big learning curve for improvisers that are just getting used to improvising and and sort of finding their feet in the improv world? Yeah, yeah. I think it's because there are two things that are sometimes at loggerheads here. Acceptance is necessary to build a world. But I think a lot of uh, beginners, certainly myself when I started out, was there's this urge to pivot a scene to give the unexpected to shock the audience shock whoever's witnessing the scene but a lot of the times people mistake that shock that pivot for blocking so they they go oh the shock is that we're not actually in that marsh we're somewhere else but that needs a little bit more finesse that that needs uh that needs a collaboration that is the next step perhaps in the future before that you have to lay the foundation you have to accept first i think people forget and skip that part so that's the that's actually the crucial but often overlooked element to creating a scene together so yeah accept 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 and i think i'll piggyback on that and say atmosphere you're both creating an atmosphere together another a word ian atmosphere and to create an atmosphere together you must accept and build together i think there are times however when maybe not accepting is a wise move because let's say someone comes in with a very inappropriate suggestion by just not accepting that suggestion you're sort of mm-hmm. showing you're showing that actually yeah I'm not accepting that because that's inappropriate for whatever reason, or maybe it's just a personal trigger. Um, And sometimes people don't accept offers just because they missed the offers or they didn't get the reference. And that's one thing, but sometimes people will just choose, actually, 
for whatever reason, I don't think the scene should go down that route. So I'm not going to accept that offer. And maybe they'll wait for another offer or maybe they'll offer their own. And it's not that they're blocking for blocking sake. Sometimes it can just be, as I say, a, a triggering word or a triggering gesture and the person doesn't want to accept it. So accept, accept, accept except for when it's not acceptable. <laughs> You're skipping ahead of you in the letters now. But yeah, that is an absolutely good point. And I think you bring it up uh, very appropriately because <laughs> when we say accept, it is in a world where, yeah, but what, what, what about that person in front of me, the scene? What am I accepting? There are certain topics or dynamic of relationships where that's not acceptable. Be it, that's another really good word, acceptable, because um, you, you're you then connected to what is acceptable to do to another person in a scene when you are both improvisers. So that's a completely different um, approach to the whole thing, just as important. So we're really, we're tackling a really big, broad and important topic with just the letter A, is it appropriate? Uh, what will you accept as an improviser? And what are you willing to, to, um, to, uh, what's the word? Yeah. What are you willing to work with creatively? Um, oof, to answer that, we probably need a couple of days. <laughs> but, uh, I, something comes to mind. You know, when we watched a show recently and somebody just slapped somebody on the face and see, that's not all right. So there are obviously certain very basic uh, notions of respect and boundaries that have to be res that, that have to be accepted at the same time. So, yeah, the word goes both ways, um, but you have to also accept that there are rules of of um courtesy common courtesy between two improvisers and that should go without saying but yeah we've seen that happen where it it, it has been overlooked as well so yeah it's oof, it's a complicated it's a complicated craft isn't it it is a complicated craft and that is just something we're gonna have to accept Haha. <laughs> <laughs> um so what you said there actually links nicely to what the next word is going to be, because you mentioned about watching a scene where someone actually slapped someone else. And this was when we were watching a, a show that had some audience participation at the end. And it was a jam, so people could get it from the audience. And there was someone that got up from the audience and they were in a scene with one of the people that were one of the featured improvisers of the night. And the audience member did slap in the face and also then slapped again later but the the other person yeah. dealt with it incredibly well and really styled it out and turned what could have been a really uncomfortable situation into into a bit of a lesson really it was kind of like a live lesson happening right there before our eyes but this links to the next word we're going to discuss today which is audience so audience and improv, mm -hmm. how important is an audience? Do you need an audience? Let's discuss. Oh, well, I know that um, performers like yourself 
feed off of the energy of an audience. And you're not the only one because uh, I'll take it back to theater. If you're ever, if you've ever been on stage in an ensemble and there's a, you're in a play, for example, and there's an audience, you can base your entire experience of that show on the audience reaction, especially if you're doing a comedy or a farce or something that requires an audience reaction, like laughter. So uh, the audience as such uh, is very important. And improv is the same, I would say, in the sense that there's an audience, uh, their ability to be part of the experience with you uh, I say ability just because we're discussing A's, but what I really mean is the sounds that they make, their their appreciation, there you go, their appreciation of your show uh, does matter. And it does change the way that you will, it, 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 feeds, it feeds you with energy. But uh, I know it's different for other people, but if it's short form, um, I like it when I feel like the audience is in the story with me. So if a suggestion is made, I make it a point to go back to that suggestion, call back, call back to the suggestion, just so that the audience can be with you in that in that moment. Yeah, I think also in improv, if you're improvising with at least one other person, then there is an audience there, even if no one else is watching. So often you improvise in groups, and they can just be drop-in sessions or workshops or whatever. And those people in the room are the audience as well. You know, not everyone is in every scene all the time. People are in the wings or just sat down watching. So I think an audience is often there, even if they're not there and it's not seen as a show. But I think people do play to the audience naturally. And... Oh, oh yeah, go on. Totally. Sorry, sorry to, to cut you off. I just realized, but yeah, it, what you say is absolutely uh, important that the audience could be the fellow improviser. At the same time, I think we're playing to the same point here that it's not so much you trying to impress people, but that you're trying to share a moment together. So if that is your fellow improviser, then you're sharing a scene together and you're riffing off of each other. If the audience and their audience suggestions makes it like a two-way interaction where they feel like they're part of it because of their suggestion, then that's still kind of a, there's still this sort of give and take um, feel to it, which is probably what I think I'm getting at, uh, hopefully not, not to be misunderstood because, yeah, some people, I think I, I hear that some people are there, they show up, they're going to perform, meaning they're they're out there to to show everybody how clever they are and then they leave. Um, but if you're there for the craft, then you're all there to kind of share that camaraderie that comes out of the actual, um, you know, the idea of improvising with each other, always with each other. Oh, yeah. And, you know, as improvisers, we often say improv is for everyone. But I've discovered that improv isn't for everyone, and that's why not everyone comes to improv shows. There are lots of people out there that have never experienced improv, and if they were to experience it, it would 100% be for them. And there's lots of people out there that have never experienced improv, and I don't think they would enjoy it or even understand it. I still encounter so many people that don't believe that it's all made up. 
and you know i'll mention oh we've got a show coming up so we've got some extra rehearsals and like ah so you do rehearse it is all practice i'm like eh, no you just don't get it and i don't think you'll ever get it yeah i think when they laugh at the idea of rehearsals preparing because that assumes that it's memorizing a script or something like that whereas people practice a sport and every game is different it's the same thing as that because um people play football they practice football not because they know exactly every single moment of 90 minutes of every single game no they're practicing how to kick the ball they're practicing how to they're honing a skill and it's only the skill that you're rehearsing and not what you're going to say. The skill being, can I actively listen to somebody? If I am not very familiar with this person, is there some way we can jive better because we kind of get to know each other's um, trail of thought or um, stream of consciousness and become more in tune with each other? And it's not like we're memorizing each other. It's we're getting to know each other and that's kind of like how that, that is basically what it means for me to rehearse. I'm getting to know the other the other team members of a, of a group or of an ensemble. That's what you're rehearsing. Um, that sounds familiar to you, doesn't it? Oh yeah, hundred percent. But so I think on the whole, like you don't need an audience per se. But whatever you do when you're on a stage, if there are people there enjoying what you're doing on that stage then that helps to create a buzz that is, is kind of unmatched certainly be by any buzz i've ever felt it, it's it's a very unique experience yeah definitely um i get the same buzz out of it as if if you know if i were in a in a play or delivering a monologue on stage because you're you're um, there's a the, the entire experience is you're expressing something, and people witness it, and vice versa. So, uh, to me, it is it's a wonderful feeling altogether. Yeah. So you know, audience is it's a very important thing, and that's why I wanted to add it to the list because I know there are some people out there that say, "Oh, audience, it's not important in improv," but I think on the whole you know, having someone to play to is very important. Right, moving on. Our next word is actually something that I had done a lot of before I even knew what it was called. I must hold my hands up and say, I am not the best person for knowing the names of various formats or games and things in improv. And often even with games, I'll know games by different names to what other people know them by, just because I just sort of pick things up as I go along. And if someone told me that, oh, in their head, that's called that, then that's what I know it as. So this is something that I did a lot of when I first ventured into long form during a pandemic, during some Tuesday night LTI sessions. And it is the Armando. Okay, yeah. So th this is a really cool uh, neck of the woods because you marry the two, the the monologue and then what can come out of a monologue. But yeah, um, I think it's it's another one of those things that are, it's a fun overlap of two different things that I like to do. Uh, what do you think about it? Well, I'll just explain for anyone that's heard it and isn't sure, because, you know, there's lots of things that improvisers will talk about and sometimes 
it can sound a bit, I don't know, a bit elitist. Like if you hear, you might be at a workshop somewhere and then people are like, oh yeah, yeah I, I did an Armando last week, darling. And if you don't know what it is, then you're just like, what is that? Uh, so uh, uh, Armando is a type of performance where there's a monologist and they tell true stories that inspire a series of improvised scenes by a team. And then often the monologist can come back in later and tell some more stories. Uh, so scenes based in truth. Now, often you can make a scene out of a, a word or you can make a scene out of any kind of suggestion. But I like it when it comes from someone just telling a real story and then you make that story happen, but it's not in any way really like the original story. You just take little elements and heighten those and, and, and see what happens. Oh yeah. Well, as an audience member, so whenever I go to show to shows as an audience member, I love it if some of my suggestions are taken and then I love what they then build out of that. And I always feel like it's a really cool show when that happens. Somebody's somebody's suggestion is taken and used to build stuff, build a narrative and all the things that could happen based on, on that particular prompt I, I love it when that happens so yeah I this is probably why I like this particular activity um, because um, from reality what can you what can you uh, sort of sort of, what do you catch from that story that you then go on a tangent with and then it's got its own little story like a little spin-off of everything so it's and then you got you get to see all these scenes that come out of it, so I, I really like it. Yeah, so linking back to the audience, the the monologist can come from an audience member. They get asked the question, "Hey, who's ever been on holiday before?" Or, "Hey, who's got an anecdote about such and such?" Someone will just stand up and tell their story. And then that can be the basis for so much. And then you can come back to that person later and ask ask them for more and. It can be a really great way of getting an audience member involved without them having to actually improvise. Mm, yeah, yeah. I I, I know. I, I love witnessing that, whether as an audience member or as someone who's who, who keeps a really close eye on how long-form improvises work. Yep. So, yeah, if, if anyone hasn't had a go at partaking in an Armando, then get yourself along to some long form stuff at LCI and I'm sure the the opportunities will be there. Yeah, there's there are many groups. Uh, there are many groups, there are many shows, a lot of shows that have really cool formats for long form. And I think a lot of them are are versions of the Armando and it's a really cool um, sort of template to use. And yeah, very much a very good prompt. It's an excellent prompt, is what I'll call it. <laughs> yeah, it's a good prompt. And it definitely warrants being on the list, I think, because it is it is quite integral to long form, I think. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it's, it's basically, if you want to dive into long form, this is one of the ways that you can enter the water. It's doable because it comes from a real place. You see it come from a real place and then you can just take flights of fancy or whimsy or, or whatever. And then you're you're somewhere else. And before you know it, you are deep in this narrative that comes from a very, a, a real place. 
and mm. you, you can trust that in an Armando. Yeah. Right. I feel we're flying through these, but it's time for our next word. And our next word is adding. So adding in improv. What's your take on adding? That's uh, the word itself uh, explains it. I think it's a plus. It's the and and yes and. It's the it's the it's the nodding your head and saying I know right plus etc etc. It's 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 the idea that you're not shooting down the other improviser's idea. In fact, you accept it and then you add. You say, oh, not only is what you're saying this, there's also that on top of it. So you're not creating something completely different. You are first making sure that you honor what they say and then you simply add to it. And that way, it's not hard. It, it becomes, it becomes again, I keep saying the word collaboration because of that. Adding, reacting to is, is what makes improv work and not make it too difficult for any one person to do. It's, it's, a, it's a collective effort. Yeah. yeah, I liken it to being in a band. You know, you know, when I was in a when I was in a band, often I would have a decent melody and lyrics, and then I, I could go to the other guys in the band and say, "Hey, well, well, now we can add a bass line. Hey, now, oh yeah, yeah, Rich, you you get on the drums and let's see what you can come up with. Oh, you've got a a, a harmony that you think will go there. Oh, you got a good idea for a lead solo. Those sorts of things. Collaboration takes that. Yeah, that melody line, those lyrics could be great, but if you build on them and create a symphony of awesomeness uh, musically, then that's kind of what I think is happening on stage and improv when you're just adding to each other's ideas. Yeah, that's a great idea. I'm going to accept it. And here's my offer to to help sort of take things to the next level or to help things flow. Yeah. Actually, this is the moment you may have described a few minutes ago where you say people don't believe that it's made up on the spot because when you're saying i know right it's like you knew this information beforehand and not only did you know it you're going to add another detail to it and it looks so intimate it looks so organically part of the scene that whoever is witnessing it will say hey they planned this all along because the two people are talking like it's really familiar to them so if you know it beforehand that's your attitude and you're simply adding to it, to the to the quote-unquote reality of the scene, then it does look, it does look like it was planned all along. So I think maybe that's why people kind of have disbelieve it. Like, oh, come on, you knew that was going to be said, or this was going to be said. I think maybe that answers that question. I think it does. And I think probably explains why it's worth adding it to the list. <laughs> uh, okay the next word on the list is accents something i'm a big fan of but i know that accents can actually be very contentious within the improv community so let's discuss accents 
Accents. So let's, yes, let's. <laughs> Accents are, in my opinion, one of the one of the one of the most amazing things to represent the culture, which is why I think it's such a contentious topic because we live in a world that is so connected globally on the internet that it, it's uh, it's very it's very easy to be exposed to different cultures to explore other cultures at the same time you're forced into looking at how unequal the world is um and i mean that as somebody who comes from a country like the philippines i am aware of the disparate levels of societies um i've studied it in sociology and i understand why that can create a lot of frictions and and certainly it has been misused um, accents can be used or wielded as a way to strengthen stereotypes and prejudices um, myself as somebody who loves languages and loves accents I think it needs a kind of um it needs a more positive light like I, I don't believe that just because an accent is done, that it is meant in a mean-spirited way, because I certainly love exploring accents myself. And I'm always quick to ask, where does that accent come from? Or, or Ooh, what what vowel does that accent change for me? And in, in my library of, of vowels, it, it's all very fascinating to me, which is why I'm very aware that this is a gray area for so many reasons. What about you, Ian? Well, for me, I love accents in improv, and that's mostly just because I love accents. I'm fascinated with accents in general. I love the rich tapestry of accents across the world. And here within the UK, I think it's amazing how you can literally go five minutes up the road and people sound completely different. And they not only have different accents, they have different ways of speaking. And for me, when I improvise, I love becoming someone else whether that is for 30 seconds or whether that's for 30 minutes or whether I'm multiple people in scenes. And I think becoming someone else, a big part of that can be changing your voice. I don't want to be Ian in scenes all the time. And, you know, I'm very aware that Ian sounds like Ian. And because I love playing around with my voice, I think when I'm doing accents, I'm just becoming somebody else. I believe, yeah, if I'm playing an Irishman, I believe that I'm that Irishman. And I think if I do an Irish accent, I'm, I'm doing it out of love, not doing it out of mockery in any way. If I do a Dutch accent or an Australian accent or any kind of American accent, yes, accents, they can play to caricatures, but at the same time, and we need to remember that improv can be entertainment, it can be entertaining, and caricatures are entertaining, but not in a way of of mockery, because whenever I do an accent, I'm not making fun, I'm celebrating that mm. accent. I'm not doing it to make fun. And sometimes um, the little things that I do, they they're turned up a notch just because oh maybe i'm not that great at that accent so if it sounds more like a caricature 
it's because I'm sort of saying, hey, I'm actually not that great at this accent, uh, but I'm still going to try it anyway. And I'm, I'm not trying to bring anyone down. I'm just trying to celebrate and, and try different accents. Yeah, I think the tricky thing and why I call it a gray area is because the world interpretation of of uh, what is offensive or not offensive is very subjective sometimes. Uh, there are there are clear-cut issues, don't get me wrong, there are clear-cut situations out there where there is mockery happening. But then there are some gray areas that um gray areas where it would be unfair to assume that it's something other than, um, let's say, a clumsy effort, um, or just a, uh, or a misguided effort that needs clarification. So this is a necessary step for people to learn. Um, it's a reality that a, a massive part of of who we are when we first start anything will come from ignorance, and then we get better and better and better. We, we've got to learn, and we've got to we've got to develop. We've got to have a keener awareness of what's around us read the room as you always say yeah, yeah. um but the room changes the room can be the entire global village mm-hmm. yeah. and that is the room you have to read and see how tricky that can be because half the time um people will be very aware of issues around the world and not everybody will be that aware so if you see right then and there that is a that's just a, a, an arena for for um, be, you know, offending somebody somewhere because it's just that it's that easy. The world is so hyper connected now, and there's so many sort of cultural subtext weaving in and out of former colonies, former colonists, or entire groups of people who have been who have had an entire history of subjugation and another group that's been known to inflict it so oh it can be an absolute minefield so it's the kind of part it, accents is um it's a tricky part of 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 in the world of improv i think very basically it is um uh, don't treat it lightly always try to come at it from an enlightened point of view and that's how I myself approach it. And I think that's probably the healthiest way I've learned to approach <laughs> accents. Yeah, it's one of those things as well, particularly with newer improvisers where they will endow somebody else with an accent. And then that person may happen to do a good version of the accent or they may have no clue and and they can really butcher it. But I think that's playful and that's not someone going out of their way. Like if you get endowed, let's say you got endowed as someone from Birmingham in a scene and you tried to be someone from Birmingham and you failed spectacularly at your Birmingham accent. I think that that's funny and it's not disrespectful, but I know there are people out there that think any attempt at an accent is disrespectful. So I, I feel we could probably do a whole podcast series just about that. Oh, yeah. Oh, that's the thing about if you go back a, a little bit to acceptance, there's so many levels that you could um, that you could uh, approach that an acceptance of someone who's been endowed with an accent, let's say, oh, oh, suddenly you have a Brummie accent. You can simply 
say or, or describe how this particular Brahmi has gone to a particular part of the world and lost the accent or you you can still accept what happened and then add to it in a way that isn't contradictory but is it it could actually be a funny pivot like it could be a funny little twist in the story uh, and still not contradict if that makes any sense in fact I've seen really funny improvisers do that where They've been endowed with, say, an Australian accent, and then they carry on with their original accent. Mm-hmm. And the 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 collaboration comes in both of them pretending there is an Australian accent going on. I, I love it when people handle it like that. So there's like this thing where you adjust to each other's capabilities and um, work. It's like you're sensitive to each other's um, sort of l- limits or misgivings about something and then you work together some of that see that's why you rehearse you know a person's um um you know what they're willing to do or not do in a scene and you adjust accordingly yeah and just another thing about accents i remember once i was in a scene and i did a welsh accent now i am welsh i don't have a naturally welsh accent but i am welsh and i did a welsh accent and I remember someone pulling me up on it and saying that I was being offensive to Welsh people and I kind of thought well how first of all I am Welsh and how dare he presume that as a a Welsh person would be offended by a Welsh accent you know as a Welsh person I love other people doing the Welsh accent I see it as a sign of oh yeah people know about Wales it's great yeah yeah I know what you mean there is there there is a little there is an there's a certain aspect to what we've discussed as sort of the getting offended bit for other people that uh, coming from my demographic, I have seen it done on my behalf as well. And in a way, it's a bit like a reverse, like, oh, how could you pigeonhole me into this little little oh poor little filipina girl thing like i can take care of myself for one and there are some questions i am all right with answering i would like to be able to face it myself thank you you know so we're not all the same where we're completely helpless and subjugated and and we need your strength and your your guidance for us like no thank you let me handle this because i was raised to be independent by my filipino parents so so no thanks let let me take care of myself i but i also i kind of also um appreciate it but not to the point where um my mind has been made up for me so there is such a thing as too much of something because it really depends on that person's journey that person's life and how they've lived that life and so that should never be presumed by anybody because that's making the same mistake as other people who have prejudices and stereotypes. You know, one one ridiculous extreme would be making that the stereotypical Filipino accent and laughing about it. But the, on the other the other side would be like to 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 then go the opposite way and say, oh don't talk like that about our Filipino friends, this that and the other and and you know <laughs> I think I've made myself clear. So <laughs> Yeah, so I think context is key. Yes, and everybody's different. There is a uniqueness to everybody's story, and they must not be boxed in like that. Yeah, excellent. Well, moving on from accents, our next word on the list is authenticity. Oh, 
Well, that kind of neatly falls in with accents, I think, because this word authentic, it's kind of, it's used a lot. It's, <laughs> it's, it's over. It's like a, it's like a song from Frozen. It's been played mm -hmm. at nauseum. Is it authentic? Is it organic? Is it, is it real? What, what? What do you think of first, Ian, when, when someone says authentic? Well, to me, there's certain things that irritate me <laughs> that get used with this word about being authentic. And again, I love playing characters. I think as an improviser or an actor, one of the best things you can do is play a character. You're not there to be yourself. And for that reason, I think any number of people can play any number of roles. So as long as whatever they're doing is, is, is done not to poke fun at or tease, I think that being authentic doesn't necessarily have to mean you, you can only do something if you are that thing yourself, you can only play a blind man. If you are blind, you can only play a deaf person. If you are deaf, those sorts of things. And there's so many other connotations to that, but I think good actors, good improvisers, if they do things well and do things respectfully, then I think that in itself is being authentic. I think my approach to the word is slightly different from yours. While I understand what you're trying to say, my take on it, because it's such a broad word as well, mm. is that uh, to me, something authentic is uh, a, a truth, a, a real truth that does not seem forced or manufactured or fake. And I think across the many cultures, my approach is always cultures, um, cultural across the many cultures there are certain universal truths like the love between a mother and her child or indeed the love between a father and his child or all kinds of connections uh, relationships and roles um are universal and so to me that's authentic if you if you can go beyond the the differences and present a real emotion an authentic emotion um of love or hate or misunderstanding you know things like that that are that are that that make improv scenes work i think that's what's important uh so i think yours was like the nitty-gritty of actually portraying such yeah such scenarios yeah, it was. Yeah, straight down to that. And I guess that in itself, we've both looked at a word and we've interpreted it differently. And that is, mm -hmm. and that's how people get offended. People interpret things differently. So I think in the modern world, it, it's very easy to inadvertently offend people through well, through innocence. Well, yeah. See, that's the thing. You call it innocence. Others would call it ignorance. Mm. See, that's the thing. Labeling, just the labeling of anything. One word to you could be a different word to me just because of all the other times I heard it versus all the other times you heard it. 
Um, I used the word sensitive just now, for example, or a couple minutes ago. To me, sensitive is just this, like a like an exposed wire. Like to me, it just because it, it it's so exposed and vulnerable and things like that. That's to me sensitive. Where, uh, where other people I know in my life have said, "Oh, you're saying sensitive like cannot hack something," or to them it's an extra meaning. So if I call something sensitive, it could be an insult to someone else. But what I meant was, oh, vulnerable. And to them, it's, oh, can't handle something. So a label is so is so subjective. Uh, and I think that's, that's, that's where interpretations are so tricky. Because, yeah, you, you easily offend. And it's, can I say minefield again? Because that's where my brain is. Yeah. Taken you again, and it is a minefield. Like some of the words that we're going to be discussing through the the entire A to Z that I'll be discussing with different people, they are things that may well cause contention based on something that someone says. Yeah, you never know where you, where the word you use comes from as well, and that's just English. Imagine how many more languages this happens in. You know, it could be a language. Uh, from from any culture that uh, subjugated another culture, uh, that ha- <laughs> that that happens as well. It's, so it's not limited to English, but gosh, English itself has so many, um, just so many contentious words. Um, I, I have a good friend who used the word "jip" the other year and had no idea what it meant, and it said in all innocence. But without the etymology of the word, you have just insulted an entire demographic because it's just been used. Uh, no context, but other than the fact that, you know, to be gypped of something, you know, that, that's such a, such a one syllable and it's, it's a slur. And a lot of people do not know that. And so it was said by a person who is absolutely socially aware except for that particular word so you can never tell you can never tell you'd have to really always just self-examine and always just learn from learn learn just learn as you go along just accept that you have to have your mind opened all the time 100 percent which uh, moves us on to our next word so we've Mm. gone from authenticity and we're moving on to applause so applause in improv What's your take on applause? Oh, okay. For all the words you've brought up, this is the one that least uh, that least uh, affects me. Um, applause to me, uh, it doesn't exist much, actually. I think when you said audience, I thought, oh, the people I share an experience with. But applause, I must say, takes takes the back seat. What What about you? Uh, for me, I think applause is a sign of appreciation. Um, but mm-hmm. also, also, particularly in, in Britain, it can just be a, a sign of um, politeness because sometimes you might be watching something that maybe you haven't enjoyed it as much as you'd hoped, but you'll still applaud them anyway. You know, oh, it's the end or it's the interval. I'm going to applaud. Uh, but sometimes applause comes at, points in time you expect people to applaud at the end you expect people to applaud in an interval but you don't necessarily expect people to spontaneously applaud midway through a scene but it's a 
it's a good barometer sometimes sometimes people will laugh mm. and other times people will applaud something and applause can be infectious one person thinks i think that's worthy of a of a clap and then other people will be like oh yeah yeah that is worthy of a clap so it's it's something that's 100% not essential in improv i don't think but if you're doing a show in particular then it's a good sign of appreciation yeah yeah you have a point there i mean i think i totally connect with what you say in that yeah it's a conclusion you can tell it concludes one thing and will begin another so there's that and also i also i also see myself applaud um in in activities of improv I realize, yeah, um, for example, in those Zoom probs things from 2020, 2021, uh, even if it wasn't clapping because it was Zoom, we'd twiddle our hands, wouldn't we, and, and yeah. do the applause, jazz hands applause to show, like you say, appreciation. But yeah, um, good point. It, it is a way to show appreciation. Yeah. yeah, I think if people are happy, they'll feel a need to... Uh applaud something and I'm, I'm gonna go back to a show that we did last summer when we did our first flincher funny bone show because at the end of that show i proposed to you and that was applauded <laughs> so people had applauded things through the night but then what wasn't even part of the show it was just an, an extra thing that spontaneously happened at the end it made people happy people were happy to be a part of that experience and they applauded it so i think you know applause is just a way that people can express an emotion yeah yeah i i see what you mean but uh oh, the, the, there's no but about it i think maybe I, again our approach to it was from different parts of our minds um to me i would not need applause to feel like i'd done something important with my scene partner or as a, or a team um uh, i would prioritize how we feel about each other but then you have a point the audience is as part of the whole thing that is a role that you have an improv because audience can change and morph and we can switch back we are sometimes the audience we are sometimes the players and in that sense it is common courtesy after all isn't it yeah I, it can be an audience member's way of feeling part of something as well if they've just yeah. experienced something magical on the stage, then, you know, apl applauding it and cheering it, that is, that's their way of being part of the moment, I think. Yeah, yeah, I see what you mean. So again, it, it, it can be interpreted in many ways, but applause, I think, definitely earned its place on the list. Okay, there's just a couple more words to go before we bring this to a close. And Alrighty. the next one is another game and it is Attenborough so for anyone <laughs> unsure Attenborough is a game where improvisers play the parts of animals and you have someone narrating in a David Attenborough style over what the animals are doing and the animals will have some interesting quirks which will be given as suggestions from the audience the animals themselves can often be quirky animals that audience members tried to catch improvisers out with and then it is the role of the david attenborough person to behold and, and then go off and 
narrate in a nature documentary style what is happening. Now, this is something that works really well online and in person. And in many ways, I think it actually works better online. Um, but what's your take on the Atterborough game? Is the the voice of one of the UK's national treasures, isn't it? So um, certainly a good exercise in cultural, just a good uh, sort of culture 101 into the UK. And I love that it is quite simple in the way it sets it up. There will be somebody in a documentary style, and that somebody sounds like Sir Attenborough. And you've got animals so it'll mimic nature and uh, a natural setting and an adjective it's quite simple and from there uh it's it's a very physical game in the sense that there'll be a lot of movement based on whatever is decided by the audience uh, prompt of of what this this creature is so, yeah, I certainly, uh, I will be the first to admit that I appreciate watching it more than being in it. For one thing, I don't have the Attenborough voice. Uh, for another, I think sometimes um, I I think the, the, the actions that are, that are required in a documentary style perspective um, it's just something I prefer to watch and thoroughly enjoy, by the way, instead of be part of. Yeah, for me, it's it's a game I love to play. And what I love is that as the voice, you could be a director, but at the same time, the people that are playing the animals can also direct because there's that back and forth of, okay, well, the voice has said something, so the animals must now start doing it. And then sometimes the animals will start doing things. So the voice must uh, acknowledge what they're doing. So it, it's a good back and forth. And what I like about particularly doing it online is the fact that you can just be a voice. You're just there in the ether. People are focused 100% on what's on the screen. The only people that have left their cameras on are taking part in it. And you know the voice is just there. Whereas when you do it live on stage, you're still a presence in the room. People can still see you. Uh, it's still an amazing game, but I think it is one of those that I do prefer to play online. And I always want to be the voice. <laughs> yeah, well, there you go. For me, I think uh, another iteration of the game I prefer is dubbing. That way, it, um, with dubbing, you see you get not just animals, but actual um, human beings in very human settings. So that, I feel like I can work better with that. Whereas I think a lot of our improviser friends um, absolutely enjoy the, 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 the natural setting of the animal kingdom as yeah. such. So, um. For me, I don't know how it, it feels a bit like it's narrowed my options. So perhaps I can just say it's not my cup of tea. I really enjoy watching it, though. Yeah, and I think that's important. You know, not every improv game is for everyone. Not every format or style of improv is for everyone. And if you're a particularly physical improviser, then the chance to play an animal that's got a fun adjective and play with others that enjoy that sort of thing and, and listen to what the voice is telling you to do. That's fun. Some people don't like being physical in improv. For some people, they can't be physical in improv, you know, because of 
um, various issues that they might have. So uh, accommodations they may have. So it's, yeah, it's, it's, it's a game, but I think it definitely warrants its place on the list of A's because... Well, uh, if, I, if, if I may, I'm just going to hijack the letter A and take it to the word animal. It's still a letter A because <laughs> animal, um, I love taking sort of um, distilled versions of an animal and letting that inform the human being that is a character I'm playing. So maybe the way I think I would I would uh, wrinkle my nose as a character is based on an animal. Mm, I'll, maybe I'll think of a of a mere cat that's trying to find food, and it'll be the way I I sit up after that. But that's the only that's that's the only bit of inspiration I'll take from there. So yeah, it starts from a place of what an animal would look like and move like and then go straight to human human characterization again but yeah it's a very good place as a prompt for a physical movement but the total commitment of uh, an animal moving around in its habitat that the attenborough uh, demands is not something i've got the energy for sometimes <laughs> it takes a lot of commitment and i know some improvisers should do that so well and i am not to one of them <laughs> Excellent. Well, we are moving on to our final word for the letter A. And this one is something that we both can talk about. The word is ostentatious. Now, I've chosen ostentatious because I feel that they deserve a place on the A to Z of improv. Because for anyone that doesn't know, ostentatious are a group that basically make Jane Austen style plays out of suggestions from the audience and it it's an, an incredible experience and you can you can conceivably see why some people come away thinking that it was a rehearsed show because it was so good but the reason i really think they deserve their place on the list is because because improv is so niche i think mm -hmm. the fact that ostentatious have made it mainstream they're on the west end in a big theater and they've toured all around the uk in major theaters and they are bringing improv to the masses. That's why I think they deserve a place on the list. Oh, certainly. That was so impressive when we watched that show in Chester with Ostentatious. Um, and that's like the pinnacle of what you can do with a genre-based scene and then to turn it into long form, to, to maintain it, to keep escalating and just take it one step at a time further and higher up you you spin an entire yarn based on what is obviously a prompt from the audience that you somehow take with you into the world of Jane Austen it's amazing it's it's like all the games of uh, themed restaurants we've, we've ever played or Hollywood director where we're given film noir or Shakespeare or all these very specific themes but they stick to the Jane Austen world so it requires a bit of um, just an idea of how that world looks, but to be able to transpose that into the idea of an audience member saying uh, Christmas market or uh, DVD. Like, how do you marry the word DVD with an Austin novel? And those those uh, those improvisers do it seamlessly, don't they? Like, it was meant to happen. It's it's crazy bizarre and really 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 
fun to watch, isn't it? Yeah, like I wouldn't say I'm personally a massive fan of Jane Austen and and her stories. And if I was given an opportunity to just go and watch a standard Jane Austen play or or watch like a TV show or something based on her work, then yeah, I might watch it, but it wouldn't get me excited. But tell me that I'm going to go and watch an improvised piece based on Jane Austen and I'm all for it because it's it's like watching a really good magic show where mm-hmm. you can't quite believe what they've just done like how have they managed to achieve that how have they done that how have they worked so seamlessly together you know how how did that musician because there was a musician there how did that musician make that happen which added to the magic how did they know who was going to come on next things like that you know it's like a big illusion but it it was so magical yeah but because you can look at the show like that as an improviser you can see the little nitty-gritty the nitty-gritty things they do for and around each other like uh, one glance from somebody stage right somebody stage left and you know they kind of smile and they know what's going to happen and then it happens and it's almost like oh I expected you to do that um, or you didn't do that but I'm still going to make that really funny and very interesting as a decision uh, so I can what from one improviser watching those who are at the top of their game I could really see how it's a team collaboration you know like you can really see them give just enough like a little poke to the narrative to give one little one little crucial part here another there never steamrolling or dominating a scene they really work like a team like a little parts of a machine and you see that happen and i think more than the fact that it's jane austen or any other genre it's how they do it uh, on stage that really impresses, I think. Yeah, so basically, it's just really good improv. <laughs> with possible uh, with possible aspects of um, psych, psych, you know, like uh, the psychic <laughs> connection. <laughs> like they really, they mind meld to a, to a really high level, don't they? <laughs> Yeah, yeah, and and that, again, that comes from that comes from teamwork and practicing together and knowing each other inside out as improvisers. I think. Yeah, yeah, knowing each other's style and the way their mind works. Yeah. Right then. Well, there we go. That is our list of A's for the A to Z of improv. Thank you very much, Seki, for coming on and breaking all that down with me. Yeah, I'll have you know that I. I paused from the penultimate episode of the show White Lotus to do this with you, Ian, and that's 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 a gesture of love because uh, another thing about White Lotus is that uh, they they improvised a lot in those scenes, and you get gold from an improvising actor. <laughs> <laughs> a lot of those things aren't directed, but eh, to go back to the word authentic, it looks more authentic when it's done a certain way in character. And outside of the script. And yes, that's right. I've just connected White Lotus to improv. There you go. <laughs> well, this show is in no way brought to you by White Lotus. <laughs> <laughs> but Seki likes it. <laughs> so, well, you can get back to watching that. Uh, thank you very much, everyone. Uh, we've got more A to Z stuff coming up in the near future. 
And if you've got any suggestions for any of the letters, then uh, do drop me a line. Let me know. Thanks for indulging my my improv philosophy diarrhea, Ian. <laughs> you are more than welcome. Well, there we go. That is the letter A dealt with. Thank you very much to Seki for coming on and having that chat with me. Uh, it's, you know, it's fascinating how deep you can get with some of these words. And I thank you to everyone that gave me suggestions for what could fit in with the letter A. Keep the suggestions coming for B to Z. And if you want to come on and, you know, have a discussion about one of the letters with me, then get in touch. I would love to get you on, whether you've been on the show before, whether you've never been on the show before to come on and break down one of the letters with me. I'm still ever changing my compiled list from B to Z. Uh, so do get your suggestions in because I am open to whatever suggestions you have. The the words can just be something that means something to you to do with that letter. I, I'm getting lots of repeat words said to me for various letters, but there are some very unique words that only one person have said here and there. So I, I just look forward to hearing what you have in mind when it comes to different letters when improv is the context it's asked in. So yeah, we're going to be doing this here and there over the year, uh, depending on when I can get guests on and, and when I feel I want to do one of the episodes. I've got loads of great guests lined up still to tell us their improv journey, how they got to where they are in improv, and I've got other ideas uh, moving forward as well. If you've read any great improv books and you want to come on and talk about it and, and break it down, then get in touch with me. That would be great. I'd love to hear that. And if you've got any things about improv that you really don't like, then get in touch with me because I've got some ideas about that as well. So I hope you enjoyed everything we discussed there for the letter A. So, and keep coming back every other week, seeing what we got in store. And I look forward to bringing you the next episode of the show, as always. But I look forward in particular to bringing you the next episode of this series, the A to Z of Improv, which I'm sure you've worked out by now, the next one in this series will be the letter B. If you are interested in getting into improv or already involved in improv and want to try out a different improv scene, then all the information you need can be found at www.liverpoolcomedyimprov.co.uk. You can also check us out on Facebook by searching for Liverpool Comedy Improv and on Twitter and Instagram, we are at LibComedyImprov. Specifically this show, if you want to find out all things to do with the show, then you can find us on Facebook. Just search for the Liverpool Comedy Improvcast on Facebook. And um, yeah, you can message us on there. You can comment on things. You can see what we've got coming up. And if you're a member of the LCI community and you'd like to be a guest on the show, then please get in touch with me or with Emma Bird and we'll make arrangements as soon as possible. I know I bang on about this all the time, but if you do listen on Apple or Spotify, please give us a five-star review. And yeah, you know, the five stars the words that you write to go with the five stars anything like that just really helps to give us a boost and get our name out there and it really does have a positive impact on the show if you do want to get in touch with me you can contact me on facebook as i always say you can find me on facebook you can find me on instagram you can find me on twitter i'm at ian luke jones wherever uh, i am on social media and that includes my youtube channel and my tiktok as well you can contact me on there if you want or you can contact me direct through the show's Facebook page. But I do want to hear from you if you've got suggestions for anything that I've mentioned moving forward. I'm always open for new guests and 
returning guests to talk about things that I've mentioned that we've got coming up. So please get in touch. Now, that is the end of this week's episode. Thank you very much for listening. I hope you enjoyed our little delve into the letter A. But before I go, here are some words that are wise, wise, wise. Always remember, whatever the situation, to treat life like improv. And yes, and...